Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. In the power of the madness and the mania, just blew my 24-inch guns out. Man. You mean to tell me there is another solar system, Macho Man? Oh, unbelievable. I'm still in a state of shock right now. In fact, I don't think I'm going to be coming down for a long period of time. Yeah, reckless abandon is what it used to be. Yeah, but Elizabeth opened up my eyes at the big man right here. The big man, yeah. He endorsed Macho Man this and he gave me direction. Yeah. Used to be, but direction now with the mega, yeah, the mega, yeah, the mega power, yeah, mega powers, yeah. I feel the power now. I feel the power right there. Big man, yeah. Hit over the head, Macho Man. Oh no, man, I'm all right. I've never been better. Yeah. Don't you worry about the hit over the head, man. I'm just worried about where we're going from here. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Make it move, make it move, make it million, not a move, make it move. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Monday night, and you know what time it is. It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, tonight we got episode seven titled Prince of Athens, because that's where we're going. Athens, Georgia, to talk to the reigning NCAA Freshman Player of the Year, Georgia Bulldog baseball star Charlie Condon will be joining us. And guys, we're going to get his story. We're going to talk to him about an amazing freshman season. We're going to talk to him about what's next, Team USA Baseball, the whole nine. So guys, let's get right to it. Help me welcome onto the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, our man, Georgia Bulldog, NCAA Freshman Player of the Year, Charlie Condon. Charlie, my man, it is an honor to have you, man. How are you tonight? Doing great. Appreciate y'all having me on. Man, absolutely. It is our pleasure. So we're just going to dive right in, icebreaker, kind of get things going here. Absolutely. All right. Picture this, Charlie. You have your own late night talk show. Who do you invite on as your first guest? As my first guest. Goodness. Uh, That's right into it. I'm going um, Wes. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's the right answer. So it's not the answer we want then. If it's, I mean, you, no, I'm just, it could be anybody you want. Um, I'd have to go with probably my roommate, Coleman Willis. I feel like you could get some pretty good comedy out of that. Me and, uh, me and him are, have gotten to know each other pretty well over the past couple of years. But, uh, but I mean, I think that'd be who I'd be most comfortable with. And I think it'd be a good time. I would be most I comfortable with Scarlett Johansson, Randy. I'm just yeah, going to go. I'm just going to get in trouble with the wife right now. 
Oh, yeah, you, you that would make her. justification because of Barbie. You would just exactly. say you're going with what's popular. You're not. It has nothing even to do with her. <laughs> All right, Charlie. It doesn't get any easier, or maybe it does. The zombie apocalypse is coming. We're talking Walking yeah. Dead. Yeah. Who are your three Georgia teammates you want with you in order to stay alive? There's one answer that comes to the top of the head, and that's it's the easy answer. Everyone would say it's Colin Caldwell, kids from South Georgia. He's he's familiar with the shotgun. He uh. <laughs> He's the guy you want on your side for sure. Um, I'd be a little bit worried about him having enough of me at some point, though. Um, and then two more, I'll go. I'll go DJ Radke as the brains, and um, I'll go. Hmm, what else do we need? I mean, you got a killer. Yeah, know? we got a killer. We got maybe the brains. We, we, now we need like a hunter gatherer, maybe. Exactly, and I'm gonna go. This is another one of my roommates. This is Chandler Marsh. He is he is what keeps me on top of my schoolwork. He is what keeps me on top of everything. And so I think he just keeps everything in check and is, is kind of the facilitator. So I think I think that's a pretty well-rounded three right there. You see DB down there? He's that guy for us, man. He's always the, <laughs> you know, the guy that keeps you on your toes. All right, man. You have to do it. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You okay. have to do karaoke. What song are you doing? Uh, I got asked this not that long ago. I think my answer was Friends in Low Places by Brooks Jefferson. Um, that one's up there, but I can also – I'm a little all over the map. I could definitely rock some Taylor Swift or um, <laughs> anything that anything that pleases the crowd, you know. Um, but I think, I think Friends in Low Places is definitely up there. Are you familiar – I'm sure you are. You're familiar with Travis Kelsey, right? Oh, yeah. The Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Did you see where he tried to give Taylor Swift a friendship bracelet with his phone <laughs> yes. number on it? And she wouldn't I take heard. it. What's up, man? Kelsey? That was messed up. I know. You'd think, you'd think if anybody could do it, it would be him. But, um, but man, I guess, I guess that just goes to show that you never know. I got to be honest, Charlie. I think Kelsey could do better. I think he, <laughs> he probably he could. could. He, he's done a thing or two in his life that, that lines him up well. He is my celebrity crush. But, anyways, on that <laughs> – who is your celebrity crush? Celebrity crush. I'm going. Um, so this one, it's an actress named Anna de Armas. It's um, and she's not super well known, but I think she's she's just a hundred percent my type. I'd say. I'm gonna have to Google her. We'll uh, talk about that. She's, she's been in. She's been in some stuff. She's she's good. Okay. All right. Last question before I turn you over to DB. Favorite mm -hmm. athlete growing up. Favorite athlete growing up. Okay. So outside of baseball. I'm a big golf fan, so I watch a lot of golf. Um, and I'd say this isn't growing up. This is kind of more current, but I'm a big Max Homa fan on tour. Yeah. Um, I've been following his uh, his socials for a while. He's a great guy and also can swing it pretty good. But, yeah, I'd say I'd say Max Homa is my, right, my favorite athlete. I said I was turning you over, but I got a question. Since you brought up uh -huh. golf, what's, yeah. your, what's your handicap? Oh, it's not what it needs to be for as much as I've been <laughs> playing the past couple of weeks. That's actually what I was just doing before I got here, but – um, you know, I don't play a ton in the spring. I try to play as much as I can in the fall. Um, that's I mean, the best like, time to play anyway. No doubt. No doubt. I'd like to say it's somewhere around 12 or 15. I'd like to think I can shoot in the mid to high eighties consistently, but my friends would probably beg to differ. I just got back from Florida. I was in Destin, Miramar, the whole area where we stayed. I played in a, uh, the Raven. I don't know if you've ever heard of it down there. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it used to be a private course. Now it's public because I don't have that kind of hookups, man. <laughs> it's like I was explaining to uh, the guys we were playing with, man. I, I didn't shoot very good. Yeah. But, like, a bad day on the golf course is better than a great day in the office, right? That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Couldn't say it better myself.
Man, I, I would uh, I would need three at least room for three digits on the golf cart. Sure. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna tell you that if you ever get a chance to play the Raven, it's super nice, but it is hard, hard, hard. It is not easy. It's, Water it's everywhere, trees it's a everywhere. Workout. As long as the cooler is there, because I'm going to play bad, <laughs> at least I can have fun in another way. There you, you go. never go a hole without seeing a cart girl, so you're good. It's awesome. <laughs> Randy, it's I, can, I can see a lot of fairway and struggle. <laughs> well, that's facts. <laughs> you know what right, Daniel needs? Sure. Because this is, this is a baseball episode. Daniel needs to go 10 cup. He needs to be able to throw it up and hit it with a baseball bat, and he'd be good. <laughs> Baseball players are actually really good at golf. A lot of most of them, not saying. So what, happened, so what happened with DB? I'm okay. <laughs> Take the driver out of the equation. Oh, I don't yeah. know what it is? It's That's just, not fun. I know, right? Gets you in trouble though. It's it's not your friend. So no, not at all. It's it's like I see guys like my dad go out there and they'll they'll club down and like hit the ball straight. They may get have a four a iron, of, play yeah, it safe, no two hundred. That's no fun. Look, I was on the hole the other day, and it was like a long par five. Get off there, and you got to hit it safe, and you're good. You're in the fairway. So I was actually playing with my ex-wife's husband. Weird story. Doesn't matter. So I'm like, he's like, man, I think I'm gonna hit my four iron. And I, you know, I'm like, bro, ain't no four iron. It's 520 <laughs> yards to the to the to the flag. He's like, yeah, but you can't get it. It's dog leg left. I hit it so bad that it was good, Charlie. I'm talking about. Shh. And sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and especially Amen. in golf and layups. Amen. Layups are for basketball. That's what I. And since say. we went so far left, Daniel, I got to ask you: the movie Ten Cup, where he's going for it all, he refuses to lay up. Is that you? Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm and never laying up. Stupidity, <laughs> stupidity takes over. Not pride, not anything else. Just pure dumb stupidity. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's me. I'll I have to go, Charlie. I have to go to the range, not to practice, but to take the balls for my round. Yeah, no, you got to throw I, a couple I, in the I, pocket. So I'm not losing my good stuff. Last thing I'm going <laughs> to say on this, when we were at the Raven, I go in there and I had three sleeves of balls in my bag. I'm checking out, you know, and it's like $200 around. And the guy's like, hey, uh, do you need any additional golf balls? And I'm looking oh, at him. He's on. looking at me. I'm like, he's like, how many do you have? I'm like, I got nine. He's like, I would suggest a dozen. I'm like, you and you and I both know. <laughs> I said, of course I need them. I was like, no, I don't need no balls. And then when my when my husband-in-law walked out, I was like, all right, a dozen right here. You got <laughs> husband-in-law. Oh my you, god. Do you think he looked at you and was like, this dude needs needs some extra? Gonna, it's gonna be more than nine. <laughs> I already, I knew it too. First hole, I, I first swing, I was like, wait, breakfast ball. I hit it right into the water, and then my next shot, I piped it down the middle. I was like, look, player B, legit. Player B shoots a 65 every day. That's every how it goes. Day. I'll just stay at the clubhouse bar, and y'all meet me when y'all get back. All right, boys. Thanks <laughs> eating there. We'll see you so fights around. That's yeah. it. All right, Charlie, man. Let's let's get this thing going, man. Tell me a little bit about where you're from. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I grew up in Marietta, Georgia. It's about 15 or 20 minutes to the northwest of Atlanta. Um, was Grew up around the East Cobb area. It's the, it's the travel ball hub of the world, as I'm sure y'all know. Um, went to a, uh, went to public elementary school and then was lucky enough to go to private high school, um, and middle school. And so that's called, that's the Walker school is where I played. It's a, it's a smaller, smaller school. I think I graduated in a class about 95, but, um, but yeah, Marietta, Georgia is the, the stomping grounds for me. So Marietta, what's, what's home look like? Mom, dad, brothers, sisters. Yep. Yep. Mom, dad. And then I'm the youngest of three. Uh, I've got an older brother and then 
the oldest sister. So they, um, I think they're, they're both a good bit older than me. I think my brother's four years older than me and my sister's seven years older than me. What was it like growing up? Were you catching the beatings? Is that what made you the you man know, you are today? I'm actually lucky enough. I can't even give, I got to give credit to my brother on this. He, uh, he actually didn't give me too hard of a time, but, um, He's, he's part of what got me into baseball. You know, he was always – I was dragged to his games growing up when I was really little and just being around it and wanting to be a part of those practices with him and dad were uh, were really what got me into it, and that's just kind of where it started. So I got to give him credit there. And I'd probably say I fight with my sister more than I fight with my brother. She um, she and I, I don't know, we've always butted heads a little bit, but but it's all love. He says, she's not having your nonsense, Charlie. She got <laughs> she's not. That. No, she does not. So – you you mentioned obviously one of the one of the things that we see and we notice a lot of is the younger sibling having an older sibling who starts sport and they're always trying to compete and play mm-hmm. up and play at that level. So it seems like you had a lot of that. For sure. Um, would you attribute to your success now as that being a key factor, like playing above your age and having to mm-hmm. play up or even just seeing what it's like at the next level all the time. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, and even, even to go along with that, just growing up in the group of neighborhood kids that I grew up with, I was also kind of on the younger group being a, a couple other kids were a good deal younger than the rest of the guys. So, I mean, going to your friend's house after school and elementary school and playing, playing football in the backyard and just always kind of that, that smaller guy, but playing with a group of bigger kids, it's, um, I think it definitely is what kind of laid the foundation for the the competitiveness and trying to keep up with all the all the older big kids and um, and I, yeah I think that I do have to attribute some of my success to that. Nice. Now, obviously, baseball was something that you started at a young age, mm-hmm. probably as, as early as you could pick up a baseball or a glove or a bat. But was baseball the only sport you played? It wasn't. Um, so I played, I played baseball, obviously starting pretty young, three or four. And then uh, my dad really wanted me to play basketball for as long as I could. That was kind of his main sport growing up. He played basketball and football. Uh, wasn't really big into baseball, but was, was all for me playing it when, when I decided that's what I was want, wanting to do. But, um, but yeah, no, I was, I was baseball, basketball, football, um, and basketball kind of simmered out through about middle school. I think eighth grade was my last year with basketball. They'd, they'd had enough of me breaking three-pointers when I was taller than everyone else. Um, and then football, same story. I played through my senior year of high school. was definitely nothing special. Played quarterback pretty much by default because we didn't have anyone else. Um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it was a nice balance between that and baseball, but those, those were my big three growing up. So, you know, you mentioned it a few minutes ago, you know, being around East Cobb, Georgia's very famous for, for travel ball. Um, you know, before we get into your high school, tell me a little bit about travel ball. Who did you play for and what was that experience like? So I played pretty much when I was really little, I played for the, the just the local East Side Park. That was um, kind of your, your rec league and your occasional summer ball all-stars. And then when I was six, or no, when I was nine, sorry, I went to 643 DP, which is where I played my travel ball. It's based out of Marietta. And I played there from 9U to 18U. My 18U summer after my senior year was my last travel ball day, which was crazy after doing it for so long and having that just be 100% of what your summers consisted of. To see that go away was definitely a little crazy. But, um, but yeah, no, 643 DP was, was who I played with growing up. With – 
all the the teams so congested in that area mm-hmm. were there ever any like pull to get you to play on other teams and because to me i feel like it's maybe it maybe it's not it seems like it would be a rare occurrence that you know at a young age you're staying with the same travel team for as long as you did yeah, no, there's definitely in- incentive to pick up with other teams, but I mean, you get in that hub and there is, it's, it's so competitive and no matter, everyone's playing in the same tournaments. So it's like, you're getting the same competition, whoever you play with, it's just the guys. And I was, that was what kept me at 643 was just the teammates and the same guys that I'd grown up playing with. And I wanted to play with them every summer. And I mean, you're going to be playing at East Cobber Lake Point pretty much every weekend anyway. So, um, but yeah, there's, there's just, and you don't see the same faces every weekend because there are so many teams that you get in a different pool and it doesn't matter that like, it's not like, Oh, we have them again. We've played them the past three weekends in a row. It's, it's, it's new faces and teams coming from across the country to play in Georgia. So that was definitely a huge resource. Yeah. If you, if you've ever been there and, and, and stayed for multiple weekends, you, it makes you realize how many baseball teams are actually yeah. out there. It's, it's unreal. It's absurd. It's, it's it's a lot. Um, obviously, you you played in high school. You were you were a, a great athlete in high school. What high school did you attend? I went to the Walker School, just a smaller school right by Marietta High School, um, close to downtown Marietta. It's about fifteen minutes from my house. Growing up, but um, yeah, small smaller school, but it was definitely still fun to get that athletic experience. Yeah, I mean, you took full advantage of it. You batted four thirty two. Um, you were named the 2021 hitter of the year in the region, along with first team all region. Um, you helped the Wolverines advance to week 16 in the state playoffs as a senior. You're a four-year starter. You led the team in several categories, including hits, RBIs, doubles. You posted a 515 batting average as a junior, and you were a four-year letterman in football and starting quarterback for the final three years. I think you mentioned the football part of it, but you kind of – I think you were being a humble guy. You didn't really say a whole lot about, you know, just, you know, they didn't have anybody. I was a quarterback. <laughs> it's it's kind of a big deal when you are able to step in and go, all right, I'll just be the quarterback for you guys for three years. But I got to know, man, there's, if you've ever played football and baseball, it's something special about football, but of the two, like which, you know, which was you, which did you love more Friday night football or just just baseball on the diamond. Like, which... In high school, it's it's really tough to beat Friday Night Lights, even for small schools like like Walker. Because also football, like let alone, was also my bigger group of friends. I had a couple of good friends that played baseball too, but pretty much my entire friend group played football. And so going out there and, yeah, playing in front of, obviously not a huge crowd at my school, but still just in front of everyone that you know and everyone you're in class with and going to school with, it's it's really fun. And I'd say some of my best athletic memories just from high school definitely come from the football field, even more so than the baseball field. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you get, like, in baseball, there's times where you get that feeling. Right. But it's, it's the same feeling you get on, on Friday, but every Friday night you get that feeling. It yep. doesn't go away, and it's always mm-hmm. there, no matter how good or bad your team is or how good or bad the team you're playing is. You always have that special feeling, and I I would wish everyone to feel that at least uh, once. It's, no it's a pretty cool idea or yeah, feeling. For sure. Um, obviously, you know, we, we can't gloss over the academic portion of your career. <laughs> you were a member of the National Honor Society 
National Spanish Honor Society. You know, how were you able to balance it all and, and have so much success on the diamond, on the gridiron, but also keep it, keep it, you know, on, on point in the classroom as well? A lot of that just credit goes to my mother, just keeping me on, on pace. You know, I mean, obviously growing up, you're going to want to spend more time running around outside playing baseball and you are doing work in the classroom. But my mom and my dad made sure that I was kind of staying in the middle of the road socially, academically and athletically and taking care of what I needed to in the, in the classroom. Just because, I mean, as long as you want to play this game, there's going to come a day where you can't anymore. And just to be able to have a backup plan is something that they always preach to me. Um, just to take out um, academics seriously because in, in, in my high school career, I wasn't wasn't totally sure that I was going to be able to go play big D1 athletics like I am now. And so to, to have the academic background to help me get into some of these schools like Georgia, which I think is a big reason of why I even got an opportunity to play here. Um, it was it was big time, and I definitely owe them a lot of credit for keeping my head on straight in the classroom for sure. Be honest now, mom. Mom put the fear of God in you. No doubt. Academics, no doubt. right? Oh, I definitely messed up. I think there was one time I like left my backpack at school, and I had been saying I was doing homework for the last two hours, and I just wasn't. And I think that was a big turning point in my she career. Knew. That she she, she she let me have it, and I was like, all right, I got to lock it in just a little bit because that's not going to cut it. Message received loud. <laughs> exactly. So obviously you're playing, you know, in Marietta, you're playing travel ball, you're playing at a high level, you're getting seen on a, probably a regular basis on the weekends. Um, so when did you start getting recruited and, and what were the top options? Yeah. So my, my recruiting process is, is not your average recruiting process for sure. I was, like I said and talked about earlier, I was playing football for high school also. So some of that fall ball that a lot of baseball players play also just wasn't really a thing for me just because I was having summer workouts for football. And then obviously the middle of the season is is that uh, August through November time of year, which a lot of baseball gets played then. So I wasn't able to get out there and get seen like some guys were. Um, but then I'd say recruiting really started for me. Um, I'd say maybe beginning of my junior year. And it, it was nothing crazy. It was it was at the time I was still somewhat somewhat interested in trying to go dual sport to play football and baseball. And so that was interest from a lot of smaller D3 and D1 schools like like Rhodes College in Memphis, Tennessee and Sewanee in Tennessee, um, just to try to do both. And it wasn't something that I was particularly interested in just because I definitely had a much bigger love for baseball than I did for football. Um, but if that was going to help me get into some of those schools, it was it was something I was interested in doing. And then as as time went on, um, COVID hit the end of my junior year and beginning of my senior year. And that's kind of when things started to change for me a little bit. I kind of put my head down and I knew that where I was before COVID wasn't going to be enough to let me play at the level that I wanted to play at, which was Power 5 D1 baseball. And so I kind of used that as my opportunity to get in the weight room, trying to get my diet a little bit better because I was this big around. I'm still not that big, but it's something we're still working on. Um, and when I got to keep playing travel ball, as soon as COVID wrapped up, it was I saw I saw a big improvement in my game and I was able to hit the ball further, actually hit some home runs and um, started to get a little bit of um, hype, but still had a long way to go. And I was lucky to have some uh, some people in my uh, travel ball organization helped me out and try to get exposure to bigger programs. So I ended up 
getting some interest from Tennessee and Georgia, both as preferred walk-on spots. And growing up in the Georgia area, a Georgia football fan my whole life. I mean, it was kind of a no-brainer. And I didn't commit until my until October of my senior year was when I committed because that was about when I got – I think I committed on the spot when Georgia gave me the preferred walk-on. And it was, it was a dream come true to think about where I was a year ago talking to D3 schools for dual sport and then to have the opportunity to play for just the school that you've grown up watching on TV for football and baseball. And, I mean, even as a preferred walk-on, just as a chance to go – earn a spot on the team um, and be around that group of guys. It was, it was a blessing for sure. So I, I was going to ask why Georgia, but it seems like, you know, that was the dream eventually, yeah. you know, growing up, that's, you know, you're, you're in the backyards, so to speak. And like, that's the dream. And mm-hmm. if it was the preferred walk on that got you there, it seems like you, you took full advantage of that. I will ask before I, I turn it over. Um, did at what point does the preferred walk-on get eliminated? Because obviously, I mean, let's be real, it's going to be a preferred walk-on. <laughs> yeah, so that um, – I, I was taken off the preferred walk-on list, I think, Christmas of my freshman year. Um, or, no, that's wrong. It was definitely um, – it was definitely last summer. The summer before this fall – or before last fall, sorry, um, was when I came off and was, was lucky enough to get put on scholarship. What a – what is that feeling and how does that conversation go down? Was it clear? Like, yeah, like this is going to happen. Like I'm like just head and shoulders, like better than some of these guys and I'm doing great. Or was it something where it completely caught you off guard? You worked hard, you put your nose you know, to the stone and boom, like it, it paid it off. Yeah. So how that kind of went down is I, when I got to campus uh, freshman fall, I, I, I had definitely had some good inter squad games and, um, <clears throat> perform well on the field and in the classroom and just kind of took care of the business I needed to and then got that red shirt decision um, Christmas of my freshman year and just kind of took that for what it was. I knew it was something that we'd had a lot of older veteran guys coming through the program um, and that had, had those spots pretty much locked down. There wasn't really an option for me to play anywhere just because they were all fifth year and uh, even some sixth year guys that were sticking around and playing. But I kind of took that as, look, I still wasn't, where I needed to be totally to play. like, could I have played? Yeah, maybe, but there was still plenty of room for improvement and there still is. Um, and so I just use that as those live ABs that you get during redshirt season against those, those arms and all the time you get in the weight room and you just get, you get a lot more attention um, from in the weight room and diet and stuff like that. And so I just use that as the opportunity that it was. And, and then, yeah, I got the the phone call that I was coming off. Um, preferred walk-on status and that was uh, it was at the end of my summer ball season which was Northwoods last summer um, I was a couple weeks from coming home I think it was in late July and uh, that's that's when that happened so before we continue on I'm shifting this interview to Randy Randy I heard the word Tennessee and I thought I bet Randy's heart skipped a beat with the thought of Charlie in that Tennessee lineup you know, Charlie, before he came on here, he gave me nightmares in that Georgia series, man. But it's okay, man. <laughs> hey, baller's going to ball. 
Yeah, it, I, we we would gladly take you on any of our teams, Charlie. There's no there's no doubt about that. But you know, you talked a little bit about it, touched on it with the red shirt and why the decision and everything. But we have learned from talking to many guests that that red shirt's so beneficial. And you listed off the many reasons why it was so beneficial. But what would you say was the biggest of them all that you were able to take from that red shirt season? Yeah, so I'd say it was the ability to be around the game without being kind of thrown to the wolves metaphorically. So, like, I was able to kind of sit in the dugout and see the pace of an SEC game and see what that like, what's that like. Because compared to the high school baseball experience I had before, it was it was night and day, just, just the talent that's out there. And so being able to see how older guys went about their business and, and took care of it, and then obviously the weight room aspect and just getting acclimated to college pitching and practice and live ABs and stuff like that, being able to see the difference in off-speed and fastball and all that good stuff. But just for, yeah, just the experience without having to be thrown in right away was was definitely a huge advantage. Yeah, no doubt. And so, you know, obviously they make regionals that year and you talk about being in the dugout. What was that like to be a part of, you know, them making a, a postseason run? Yeah, it was cool. It's it's um it's definitely something you're trying to do every year. Um I was I was around until I think the last SEC series was when I was still in town. And then after that, I went out to start my summer ball season out in the Northwoods. And I was there from opening day until we got eliminated from playoffs, which is a, a long summer. But, yeah, to see out there, see those guys go out there and, and kind of make that regional and, and do kind of what you're working for the whole summer and the whole fall um, leading up to the spring, it's uh, it was really cool to see. And it's definitely somewhere we're looking forward to getting back to this year. Yeah, no doubt. So you obviously you talked about weight room, nutrition, learning from upperclassmen. All these things clearly prepared you because it panned out well. Uh, as everyone knows, um, you know, you are Baseball America D1, NCBWA Freshman of the Year, SEC Freshman of the Year, National Freshman Hitter of the Year, SEC Freshman Home Run Record. You know, so before we even get into the season as a whole, man, when I read those accolades off, like some guys say that doesn't matter to them. But like for you, like to know that you accomplished that when you read those about yourself, how does that make you feel? First off, yeah, thank you. Um, it's uh, it's it's really cool um, for sure. It's it's something that you try not to pick your head up and look at when you're in the middle of the season. But it is it is something that I've I've processed now that we've we've been done for a little bit it's definitely something I'm really proud of um just kind of the work that I'd put in to get up to that point but it's um it's definitely just the first step it's it's nothing to hang your hat on it's um it's 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 the first step to a long process that I know we're just getting started with but uh to have some have some firm background that allows me to know that uh, I can compete at this level is is huge moving forward um but it's definitely, yeah, it's cool to see your name thrown out there with all those accolades, but it's it's definitely, it's just the start for sure. Well, it was fun for the three of us um, because, you know, we had had Ethan Petrie on the show and, you know, seemed like he was going to have this thing in the bag, right? And then we're all on here talking not so fast, like old Charlie down in Georgia's got something to say about it. And, you know, like obviously you end up winning. So it was cool. Like it, it was, you know, it was, it was a legit race when, you know, you're talking about two freshmen that are arguably not just playing for freshman of the year. Y'all are playing for SEC players of the year. Like, and so it was, it was just cool to watch two young guys like that just ha have seasons like that. And so shout out to both y'all. You batted 386, 25 home runs, 67 RBIs, which gave you the team's triple crown. But, 
you know, obviously team game, 29 and 27 on the season. So not meeting the expectations, you know, that are expected of Georgia. We just talked about a postseason to run year before. But, you know, specifically for you as a hitter, you know, let's talk about it, man. You know, just using some of the guests of the show, what's it like in the SEC when you face guys like Paul Skeens, Chase Dolander, Hagan Smith, Will Sanders, just to name a few. I mean, just how hard is the SEC grind? Oh, it's an, it's an absolute gauntlet for sure. And you you look at the schedule going into the season, and you're like, "Dang, we got we got LSU, Tennessee, Vandy on the road, Florida all like back to back." And you're like, "Yeah, this is we're we're kind of in for it right now." And so it's 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 a testament to the to the league itself. The SEC is is as competitive as it gets, and you just you've got to have your stuff every day. It's um you you can't. You can't let your mind slip and be like, "Hey, I just, I just don't really have it today," or "Hey, I don't really have it this at bat." It's, it's you've got to be locked in twenty four seven because if you're not the guy across from you, a hundred percent most definitely is, and he's going to have his best stuff. And that's how you've got to be prepared: is that hey, they're, they're going to, and that's, that's what's so rewarding about it too, in my opinion, is if you're competing at this level, you know, hey, it's the best of the best. It's, it's really cool to have like success at this level, just because you know, hey, it's 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 as good as it gets pretty much the the competition is is unreal um and so yeah huge to see so many crazy good arms this year and so much talent was just awesome for the experience uh you know and you don't have to answer this question but it wasn't even on my notes mm-hmm. but now i'm curious who who do you think had the filthiest stuff you saw all year i've i've said this all year i think i think it was hurston waldrop his splitter had me in in a pretzel i was yeah, he was picking me apart. He'd go, I mean, 96 at the 96, 97 at the belt and just topple that slider off the table. But yeah, I mean, him and then obviously Skeens with the with the fastball, the ghost fastball. And um, I'd say another one is is Hagen Smith out of Arkansas. That little back foot slider he was giving us was was no fun for sure. Yeah, and the the bad news for for you and everybody else is Hagen Hagen's back. So oh, the, oh, the yeah, other two are gone. The other two are gone. <laughs> got got to know Hagen this summer. He's a great dude, and and yeah, it's not an at bat you look forward to, but it's um he's he's super great guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again this spring. But but yeah, no, that was that was another really cool part of the summer. You you know what's funny? Uh, we talk on the show, and you know Daniel tries to stay off social media for a reason. Randy mm-hmm. contains himself. I'm the one that gets arguments. You know, Hagen Smith, Hagen Smith has a bad outing against TCU, and all of a sudden he's no longer the Golden Spike semifinalist that he was. And all of a sudden, you know, Arkansas doesn't have any pitching. I'm like, this dude's been lights out. That all was year. a lot of their own fans, too. Yeah, that, that's crazy. that's the worst part. But it, was crazy. Like, it was like TCU was just a buzzsaw, man. It just was what it was. <laughs> It's tough, yeah. You just thanks you, to you our in off the bench guest Trey. Yeah, Trey, Trey Richardson was the guest of the show. Uh, he, told <laughs> us, he told us the success, or no, his teammate came on and told us the success was because he came on right after. He said it was was I hop in the morning. What do you have for dinner, Randy? Oh man, I don't remember, Daniel? but it was something crazy, something that a, we would. Yeah, but it was a crazy combination of his dinner breakfast that before that game that he said led to the three home runs, but. Speaking of beating Arkansas and high notes, y'all's biggest series as a team, man. Um, talking about just catching that was when Georgia caught everybody's attention and said, Okay, this team may not be somebody that we need to write off because uh, a sweep over top five Arkansas, you know, at home, man. Just talk about that series for a team, just how good that felt for you guys. Um, just you know, to beat a top five team and kind of find your footing. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that that our start in SEC play was 
about as bad as it gets. And it was, it was a little bit of a nightmare for us. That one and that one and eight start was, um, was tough. And then we knew we were like, Hey, this, it only goes up from here. We know this is not, this record doesn't represent who we are as a team. And so, yeah, to go out there, I think we then got a win against Kentucky, who I think was ranked in top 15 at the time. So we won two out of three against them, picked up some traction and then, yeah, got the series sweep against Arkansas. And we were like, Hey, yeah, this is, this is a little more like it. This is what we can do. This is what we're capable of and definitely put us back on track and, yeah, got, got through some attention. Um, unfortunately couldn't hold on and get the wins that we needed to in the rest of the SEC play, but I think it just goes to show the potential that and the talent that this program really has when it, when it's all clicking like that. Well, obviously you see all the LSU stuff behind me, uh, LSU fan. Y'all had a sort right. of, I really, I mean, the, the one game could have went either way. And then obviously you would have had that series too. Like, um, Y'all definitely made that really, really tough. Like, and I think y'all did that for a lot of teams this year, even mm-hmm. even in losses. Like, I mean, Georgia was was highly competitive. Um, the game I want to talk about most that just excites the three of us the most. There's one team we really hate, Charlie. So much so, I'm not even making this up. People think we're joking. It, it goes back. My favorite is to tell people. Judd Fabian said he'd come on the show, and I was like, "Man, we're good. Uh, we don't do Florida. We won't ever. We're not going to." If Hurston Waldrop messes me right now, so we're coming on, we're going to say, no, we don't do Florida because we don't like Florida. And so with that, on Friday, April 14th, you decided you were going to hit not one, not two, but three bombs against Florida in Gainesville for the team to get a W, man. Talk about that game. That, that game, man, I, I, it took me probably a week to process what happened in that game because, I mean, it, it was also my twentieth birthday, which which really just puts the cherry on top. So, um, but yeah, it was we were going in to enemy territory, which Florida is obviously the rival for us. So going down there to Gainesville, we knew it was going to be a packed house for Friday night against Brandon Sprout, and there's obviously a super decorated pitcher and super talented and everything that he's done. Um, but no, it was it was such a fun night because just to be a part of that win was. The comeback at the end, it really was just like kind of lit a fire under us to get us going for the rest of the series. But it was it was definitely something to that was really awesome to be a part of and um, put some good some put some good swings on baseballs for sure. So I mean, you may have had some amazing birthdays as a child. I don't know, but I feel like, I feel like in your twenty years, that might have been your best birthday. Would I be wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, my mom's probably mad that all those all those birthday parties she put on when I was little. I'm I'm sorry, they just they can't really touch that. <laughs> No doubt, no doubt. What did what did you have for breakfast this morning, Charlie? Let, let's find out what because I mean Trey had three bombs off IHOP. What, I mean, what what's we got to figure it out? Me, Randy, and Daniel, we don't play baseball, but we'd like to have success just in our daily lives. Yeah, what's right. the, what's the formula? I don't know if I can credit the breakfast because it was probably some water, hotel eggs, and some <laughs> and some cold bacon, and I don't know maybe maybe some hash browns if you were lucky. But it was it was that it was that hotel uh, that that spread over there. I guess guess they had something in the, the buffet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what it was. All right, so I got to ask you, man. Uh, I don't I don't know. Obviously, you know we're off season right now. You've been doing Team USA, um, but you know just how much contact have you had with Wes Johnson? Obviously, hate to see him leave LSU, but I know what you're getting there at Georgia. Um, amazing coach. He's going to definitely do big things for your pitching staff. Um, you know, just how, how much have you got to interact with him and the, and really the team as, as a whole? No, no, it's, it's, it's easy to tell we're in great hands. Um, I, I think from day one, this, this hire was huge for the program. And uh, yeah, ever since he got the job, he and I had been in contact over the phone mostly throughout the summer, just cause I was 
I was bouncing around from from Cape for a couple of weeks and then down to North Carolina for USA stuff. I was I was really only in touch with him over the phone, but he did a great job of keeping me in the loop with with his plans and stuff like that. Obviously, as they finished up in the postseason and, and got that huge national championship, which was so awesome to see for him. Um, and then, hey, I think two days later, he was back down in Athens getting set up and ready to go over here. So it just goes to show the work ethic and where his head's at and how, how ready to go he is to get this program back to where it needs to be. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, your pitching so, staff's got to be excited because I mean, oh my gosh, let's call yeah. let's call it what it is. Um, Paul Skeens was not like that before he got there, and Ty oh. Floyd, who's our boy, so it's not he wasn't what he ended up being. Like, so it really showed. And obviously, there's more guys than that, but those are the two names that jump off the board first round picks. Um, but if you just look at the mechanics and the things that they changed up, like you know, that usually attributes to what the pitching coach is doing with them. No doubt, no doubt, and it's it's clear to see already. So I'm back in Athens now. Um, getting settled in before classes start and we're, we've just been kind of going to the field doing some light individual working stuff um, and and you know I think everyone's really excited about what he's going to bring to the bullpen and obviously the starting pitchers as well but he's he's brought an energy that after getting to meet him in person it's it's something that I'm really excited about it's something he's uh he's high energy he's he's high effort he obviously cares a lot about what he does and is is very knowledgeable for for the whole pitching and baseball in general aspect of things so I think it's it's going to be a really productive spring and fall, I think. Absolutely. So one last question, and then I'll let Randy get into Team USA Baseball. Um, one of the questions we like to ask, man, and, and it's because a lot of people will listen to the show and maybe, you know, they're fans of another another team. And so maybe they don't know, you know, Georgia as well. And so with that, outside of yourself, which everybody knows, obviously freshman of the year, but give some other guys in that batting order that next season they need to be on the lookout for if they're watching Georgia. Yeah, no doubt. It's um, it's it's returning Corey Collins, who's been a force to be reckoned with as as far as left-handed power bats go in the SEC. To have him back, Fernando Gonzalez, just an absolute wizard behind the dish, stealing strikes, and um, obviously getting it done at the plate too. Um, and then obviously I've heard great things about some of our transfers. You know, Colby Branch had an awesome freshman campaign at, at Baylor, and to have him now man and man in the in, middle infield along with Sebastian Marillo and. Then we've got some really good uh, freshman talent coming in too. That that obviously is going to get a lot better as they get more at bats in the in the fall. But th- those are just some of the guys that I think are are going to be huge for rounding out this order. No doubt about it. Excited to see it. But listen, Charlie, uh, you've mentioned it a few times. I see the flag behind you. I want to get into some Team USA stuff. First thing is, how much did it mean to you to put on the red, white, and blue and play for Team USA? Oh man, even just to get that email to be selected for the training camp was was just immediate chills for me. Um, it's something that I've always seen growing up, something that I never really even imagined I'd get to be a part of. But yeah, getting there and getting to be around all those guys, and then as, as soon as they hand you that jersey and you get to put it on, it's it's definitely it's chills for sure. But to go out there and and play it with all those guys was was a once in a lifetime opportunity for sure. Yeah, speaking of those guys, uh, you, you mentioned Hagen Smith, obviously getting to know him. Who are a couple other guys that you kind of went from competing against to now you're competing, you know, with that you enjoyed being around? Yeah, so the first guy that comes to mind is, is Jay Slavulet from A&M, another freshman sensation for sure. And so, so he and I were actually up on the same Cape team in Falmouth for a couple games before we took the, the, the charter bus and flight down to North Carolina to get USA stuff. So that was kind of just a jump start. To, to kind of bond with him just because we had traveled so much together and that that kind of continued as he's one of my better friends now from that group him and um Caglione obviously I got to know a lot better just 
hanging out at first base and, and doing stuff like that. All, all great guys and and he's super, pretty good. Super, yeah, he's. I mean, he's decent. He's okay. He, he, he can do some. Would we cool allow Cags on this show, did, Randy? Uh, the answer is no. Yeah, I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Stud, <laughs> stud, absolute stud. Um, yeah, and I mean, Braden Montgomery, Malcolm Moore, those two guys from from Stanford can can't speak high enough about them. And it's the the coolest part is that it's it's all over the country. So I mean, my hotel roommate was R.J. Green from from Cal, um, and I would have never got to know him that well if it wasn't for this opportunity. And now it's a guy I'm going to keep in t- in touch with for for pretty much ever, I think. And um, so yeah, just that I think that part of it's the, the coolest part about summer ball in general is just the the immediate picking up and playing with guys that you haven't met before. Yeah, absolutely. I just got a question. Why do you hate pitchers, Charlie? I'm just, no, no, but seriously, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, you're um, mad because he didn't say Drew Beam. I get you. Okay. No, I've, I've noticed throughout oh, this interview oh, that he hasn't I, I said. Spent, I spent a fair amount of time with old Drew, and he's a great dude as well. I mean, there's not a guy that I can speak poorly about no. on that roster. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Drew's a good guy. He's been on the show multiple times. We've gotten to know his family really well, spent some time with him me up in Knoxville and then me and Jim both in, in Baton Rouge and they were down there. Great. great. Can't say enough about the family. Sure. Just excellent. Excellent guy. So last thing I'm going to ask you favorite moment or an, and favorite game from the team USA experience for you. Uh, favorite moment was probably, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotta be the walk off on, on July 4th. It was it, it ain't just a walk off USA. A walk off what though? What do you mean? A walk off what? Single? No, wasn't it a grand? Didn't you hit a walk off grand slam? No, no, no. That's false information. You did uh, hit a grand a, slam, didn't you? I did hit a grand slam, but that was I not that. I thought that, that was the walk off. Oh, no, man. I might have passed out if that was the case. But um, <laughs> but no, it, it was it was a single uh to to uh, clinch the sweep against Taiwan on the fourth of July, and uh, I think it I mean was picture in, this. In you Fayetteville. can picture it. Yeah. Walk Fourth of July, Team USA across your chest. Hitting a walk off. You're 20 years old, Charlie. Do you get a chance? We talked a lot about this. Do you get a chance to put that in perspective, or does that come later? I, I, it's something that's that's sunk in. Obviously, as more time has gone by, and, and the craziest thing about that night is it was it was something that was straight out of the Sandlot. There was a neighborhood like back behind the the field, and they were shooting the off fireworks. <laughs> like, yeah, may, maybe he was back there too. But there were fireworks all over the place while we were playing. Everyone's just like kind of pinching our, ourselves, like, is this actually happening right now? Because it was it was straight out of a movie, and to have that kind of fairy tale ending, and just to be the guy. I mean, anybody that was up there in that spot was was going to get it done, but I was just lucky enough to be the one to go up there. And, and I was going to say, was, shout out crazy. to the photographer because those pictures <laughs> that came out, I mean, perfect with the guys with the fireworks and the backdrop. When he says it's like movie like, the pictures made it look movie like. It was it was unbelievable. It was such a cool experience. Well, we've reached the end. We are all caught up with Charlie Condon, dude. It's uh, unbelievable the season that you've had and just kind of capping it off with a great summer. Um, obviously, you get to start school soon. You yeah. Ready for that? Um, I can't wait. Can't wait to get back in there and get get some homework knocked out. Yeah, that's mom, that. if you're listening. Yeah, that's that's for the brownie points. Don't forget right your backpack, brother. <laughs> I might need that. All right, Charlie, man, we're gonna play a game with you before you bounce. It's called right, this or that, and okay. you don't really have an option. You're gonna play it because if you don't play it, that means you're the first of almost 300 guests. That okay, yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, you can't be the guy. You can't be that guy. So it's simple. I give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Don't say both. Don't say neither. 
we we kind of had a little gray area yeah randy you missed it while you were gone he allowed maurice hampton jr to say neither and both to the same question that's i think it's because (laughs) of the whole memphis connection you know you shouldn't have let db do this or that for that guy yeah i think i would have never stood for this i'm I'm not gonna lie i was biased sorry Sorry, Charlie. You don't get that same kind Which, of. Love. By the way, we, we glossed over Charlie. Hopefully, I don't need it. We glossed over Charlie. Almost went to Rose. He was almost in our backyard. Yeah, he could have been here <laughs> kicking it with us. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> you made the right choice, FYI. <laughs> I think so. All right, Charlie. Here's the first question of many. Get ready. Okay. Fried chicken or barbecue? We're talking like pulled pork. You know, a little Sammy. Mm-hmm. Little, you know, it's it's barbecue for me for sure. Or are you heavy sauce? Oh, you gotta be. You gotta, you gotta be heavy be. sauce. But but you is the is, is the fried chicken as good as they say in Georgia, Charlie? Though I gotta know, or is it or is it just hyped up? I think it's a little overhyped, to be honest with you. I mean, there are some places that you can get pretty good fried chicken at, but I think the barbecue definitely takes the cake. Especially he just when, talked when, about not being able to gain enough weight. He ain't eating enough fried chicken. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, sure. I guess I can take some notes there. There you go. Who hits better bombs, Tommy White or Blake Burke? Tommy White's backside is unbelievable. The the backside homers that he's been hitting are 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 insane. So I got to go with old Tommy on that one. Even as a Tennessee fan, I would too, just because nobody hits a bigger home run and a bigger moment than Tommy White did. That, yeah, that was – talk about fairy tale. That, that's fairy that tale hair right was there. flowing, Charlie. My goodness. There was like anymore. nine chains <laughs> flopping all around. Yeah, was dude, I was, I was there, and it was one of the few games where I actually sat in my seat instead of stood behind home plate, and I was really pissed because my video coverage of it all was crappy. <laughs> I, was, I was so mad. But, uh, no, that, that was an electric moment. But we cannot uh, forget that Blake Burke did hit it 479 feet – off a church on Sunday. I don't know if it's a sin or not, but he did it. Yeah, I don't know how that checks out, but um, but that, that, that's 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 a pretty decent swing at it, I'd say. That's Southern Miss's fault because they got the priest to come in and bless it with the holy water the night before. <laughs> and Blake Burke was like, "Bet I've watched the movie. Say yet. less. Just say less, fam. <laughs> All right, Charlie. You are relegated to an island. You're on an island, but... <laughs> have two options here you can choose to be all alone secluded all by yourself nobody to talk to or you can pick one person but that one person has to be your worst enemy what do you what are you picking you're gonna pick the companionship of your worst enemy or the seclusion and being on your own Man, I'd like to think I don't have anybody that hates me that much to where that would be that big of a problem. I think we could make amends, and and I think just having someone to talk to, I think I don't think I could do it by myself. Um, I think I would start to go a little crazy, like um, oh, what's the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? You could have Wilson. Also, you could who, have Wilson, and that might be better than your worst enemy. But so, uh, who is your worst enemy, and why is it a pitcher? <laughs> <laughs> here, here we go again. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Are you a plan ahead guy or a live in the moment kind of guy? I think I, I have to say I'm a live in the moment kind of guy, um, but it's it's not intentional. If I could plan more, I think I would, but I'd say I'm a live in the moment guy just because just because my lack of planning skills. All right, DB, you're having an eye twitch. I can already see it. He's twitching. He's like, oh no, you don't plan. 
<laughs> you plan the work and work the plan. That's why I'm I'm just like, all right, next question. Don't even don't engage. Carly, <laughs> true story. I went to visit this man like three weeks ago and he was asking me like what all I had on the agenda. And then I gave it to him and then he sent me my own schedule. I'm not even making that up either. <laughs> we followed it to a T. So hey, someone's gotta do it. Someone's gotta right. do it. I'm that guy. I just I mean, he t- he basically told my daughter because we were down there for her to do a soccer ID camp for University of Tampa. He told my daughter what time she's getting up for breakfast. I mean, he, <laughs> he had everybody scheduled. Hey, there you go. Someone's got to do it. I'll own it for sure. All right. Would you rather own a massive yacht or a private jet? Massive yacht. I think you got to be on the water. Uh, that's that's something that I've always love doing my family or both sides of my parents are from Pensacola Florida and so those family reunions are pretty solid getting to go out there on those beaches and I think um how many yachts do they have Charlie I'm just curious uh I'd I'd go with the goose egg (laughs) (laughs) so you're gonna buy a yacht when you become like a top pick okay so we have that Oh, easy, we better be easy. invited to the party. That's all. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. If 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 there is said thing, for sure we can make that happen. Charlie, honestly, man, we, we don't even have to leave the dock. <laughs> no, we don't. Just, just hang like, out on the yacht. Yeah, yeah. yeah that as, gas as is expensive. Floating, that's what I'm I saying. Mean, with the with the right angle, I mean, I'm sure somebody could take a picture. It'd look like we're in my the selfies will you be could legit. Never know. Bro. You, you could never, never know. know. The yacht has became more and more famous. The private jet was rolling early season, but like yeah. it's it's all been it's all been yachts. I'm a yacht guy. I think Daniel's all about the jet. I don't, Randy, where you stand on it? I, I want the yacht too because I'm getting the yacht with the helicopter and I'm having. Oh, both. that's right. You said you were getting both. There you go. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. That's, that's the right. right answer, right there. And that's not neither or both. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like changing the entire question. Helicopter. <laughs> N- next question, private. please. All right. Would you rather spend an hour in a walk-in freezer or two hours in a sauna? He, he lives in a sauna how right I'm now. Dressed? Do I get to pick my outfit? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I think I've had enough of the Georgia heat. I think I'm going an hour in the walk-in freezer because there might be snacks in there too. <laughs> you going to eat them frozen? Nice, nice little ice <laughs> hey, cream maybe. sandwich. Yeah, maybe there's, exactly. maybe there's ice cream, you know, SpongeBob popsicle, little bomb pop. You never know what's gonna be in there. Bomb pop. My my wife had one of those drumsticks yesterday. Oh yeah. Let me tell you something. It's been a minute since I had one of those. Those Undefeated. are special. Those are special. The yes, very like, bottom of the cone with the chocolate, bro. Yes. That last bite, you can't beat it. But since you brought a bomb pop, Randy, you seen how small they come in the packages these days? It's kind of depressing. Oh, yeah. Remember kids, they were huge. They yeah, felt they huge were. anyway. I think that might have <laughs> been some perspective. But anyway, look, that little chocolate, I have a four-year-old, right? I didn't tell him there was chocolate on the bottom, so he got down almost to the end. I was like, oh, you don't want that, right? That's crazy. <laughs> F- oh, my god. FTK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question, Charlie. Would you rather win a million dollars, but you have to spend it on other people couldn't spend any of it on yourself or would mm-hmm. you rather win a hundred thousand dollars but you could only spend it on yourself oh i think you go with the million dollars and spend it and spread it spread the love a little bit you know because then as soon as you got to make some friends and i think it's the easy choice you know it's um mm-hmm. you gotta look not- out for your gotta look out for your friends and family you're right it's an easy choice but it's the wrong choice. <laughs> I think we've disagreed on every one so far. I don't I think know so. Well, Randy's agreed with you throughout the thing, but he's disagreeing with you here too. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't have any real friends like that. I'm, I'm all about myself, Charlie. You know, it's, I mean, that's 10 times the cash, though. But it's not for you. It's for other people. Yeah, but you never know. It's it's about it's the networking. You know, you make some friends. You never know what they can do down the road. You know, All of a sudden, I agree with you. He's buying <laughs> them the yacht and he's hanging out on it. Right. Exactly. exactly. I could be in a life or death situation and Randy could have a million dollars and he'd be like, <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna hold it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Holler at me when you get back home, though, big dog. <laughs> yeah, no. They asked it on local radio the other day. Randy, speaking of, I said, "Have the friend own the yacht?" They said, "Would you rather be the one that owns the toys or have the friend who owns all the toys?" And friend. I would, I would rather have the friend own all the toys. I don't want any responsibility. I just want to use no. them. I just got back from Florida, staying in a condo that's owned by a friend of mine. I don't have any maintenance. I don't have to pay the cleaning lady. I ain't got to do none of that stuff. And then next year, I'm gonna go back to the same condo. He gonna have it, and all, in the meanwhile, he done spent 365 days paying for it, cleaning it, maintaining it, and I'm just chilling. Yep, that's all, it's about who you know. And I hope he doesn't listen to this. there and just run rough shot to that. <laughs> yeah. hey, he knows yeah. how many kids I got. He asked for it, boys. <laughs> Oh, man. Charlie, it's been a blast, dude, for you bounce. Anything you Absolutely. want to plug or promote? No, not really. I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to come out here and talk with you guys. Um, it's, it's It's been fun, and uh, I, I just appreciate it. And y'all keep doing what you're doing. It's It's been fun to, to listen to with some of those episodes. Um, cool to be actually one with my name on it. There you go, man. It could be the best. It's up to uh, you. I don't know about you that. Could, I, I know so. See, <laughs> I, I know what the following's like down there in Athens. I know. Ethan Petrie is coming for you in no more ways than baseball, baby. Right, man. So before you bounce, I'll let everybody know if you want to see Charlie Condon, you want to know what he's up to on a Monday night. Maybe he's recording a podcast or a Tuesday night. Maybe it's taco Tuesday in the Condon uh, abode. So, you know, going over to IG at Charlie Condon 24, this I mean, obviously, as early as this fall, you guys are going to be firing up on the, on the diamond. So go, go to Instagram, baseball, UGA. You'll see what they got cooking. I got one question. What What mm-hmm. is the fall? Like, we've, we've had a lot of different teams, and they all do something different in the fall that's mm-hmm. just kind of like a, a series. What, what do you guys do? We do. Um, so we do the Omaha Olympics, which is our like weight room challenge thing where it's it's all sorts of it's like some days you'll walk into the weight room. And it'll be something that's totally terrible. It'll be like, oh, max squat day. And then other days you'll walk in. It'll be like, all right, we're playing offhanded dodgeball or spike ball. So you just never really know what you're getting into, which is honestly really fun. Um, and then as far as on the field, we do our red and black World Series. Um which is always super fun, which I think um, uh, usually how that works is the winners get at our Christmas party, like at the end of the year, winners get steak and the losers get hot dogs. And I think I lost this year and I was, I was perfectly fine with the hot dogs, to be honest. I was Lizzie's. more than happy. That's what I'm talking about. Look, the, ste- the steak is the only way. We know a couple teams that don't do steak and they're not doing it right. And the best part was with Mississippi State, Charlie – the the losers have to to cook it and serve it and then yeah. watch you eat it and that that's <laughs> my favorite. That's that's the tough. Yeah, we have to serve it. Unfortunately, they don't give us the 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 liability of cooking it because they probably don't want us to poison each other. But um, but yeah, no, they definitely eat first and and we definitely put it on their plate and watch them eat it, which Dan- is definitely the worst part. Daniel, is the best story still to come from it when Josh Hatcher said he was round and short and told Cam how he liked his steak prepared? 
<laughs> and then the next year he was not playing for Mississippi State. It's weird. But he did so get the he did get he did get the stud. Net. That guy's a stud. Is a hot dog a sandwich, Charlie? Before you look, before you go. Your hot dog's a, a taco, is it not? I think it's the perfect. That's what answer. Carolyn Pickens said from the balls. That's why you said it was the perfect answer. <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity to just keep it real for the audience. Daniel has froze. So with that, we are going to take a break, plug our sponsors. And when we come back, we are going to do headlines. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the athletic collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Guys, we have some transfer action going on, portal action in college baseball. Randy, I want to start with you. Are you pouring one out for your boy Kyle Booker headed to Oral Roberts? Man, so happy for for Book, man. I'm I'm hoping that he gets the opportunity that I think he deserves. Just a tough, kind of a tough go, right? Dealt with some injuries and dealt with some, you know, just the consistency of his game. But we know the talent is there. You know, know his dad real well. They have the right mindset. And I think he gets a chance and he shines at Oral Roberts. And I hope that he's able to regain that traction in his draft status and he gets a chance to play at a high level because I think uh, we've all seen that he can do it. Do you think he's a guy that puts Oral Roberts back where they were this year? Because, I mean, obviously we think about the success that Oral Roberts had this year and then being able to replicate that becomes, you know, hard for yeah. for them to do on a consistent basis. But one, they're getting a name like Kyle Booker, and two, they're getting a really good player. So does that – is that bode well for them, or is it that not enough, or they got to run well, into some luck? I look at it like this. I think that Book wouldn't be going there. His family wouldn't have advised him to go there if they didn't have a chance to do that. He obviously helps them, gives them speed, defensive monster. If he can just get some uh, offensive consistency going, 100%, he can be a leader on that team, stat leader, uh, older guy that's seen everything in the SEC. 100%, I think that team can make another run. And, Randy, think about it. We brought up Josh Hatcher uh, earlier, and what did he say when he came on with Kennesaw when he was up for possible player of the year? He said the pressure of getting out of the SEC just really helped him. And so the same could be said for Booker because they're both elite talents. And so maybe just getting out of an environment with Tennessee expectations, you know, we know how much of a mental game this is. And you and you go to Oral, even though they're a team that were just in the College World Series, man, it's still not like playing in the SEC. Oh, no, definitely not. I think it's going to be an adjustment for him, too. You're not going to be playing in front of those sold-out crowds and a little bit like that. But I think hopefully Oral Roberts starts getting some traction there in their baseball program, and Book is the kind of guy like he's done with Tennessee. He's been a part of that change. He can go do that with Oral Roberts, too, and get them on the right track. So Jim, Boy, that's a lot more further to go for old his his mom and dad, though. Man, what, and they're loyal. They, they, they travel. They will. Hey, Show. Did you see did you see the video with Stephen Shock uh where he asked all the different players at the College World Series if they knew where Oral Roberts was and about eight out of every ten did not know where it was and a lot of them happened to be in off the bench guys. My my favorite might have been actually my favorite player, Braden Jobert was absolutely clueless. Well, I had to Google it myself, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, so with that, uh I you know where it is. Daniel, do you know where Oral Roberts is? 
Oklahoma. Where in Oklahoma? Tulsa. Yeah, my man. He would have nailed it. Nailed it. Earl Roberts nailed was the evangelist or – Yeah. Something big like that. Ste- speaking but, of Stephen interviews, Daniel, how do you feel about all those young cats in the Cape that said they never saw summer catch? They – one, they need to do their homework before they go there. <laughs> I think Two, this kind of makes y'all see a really good movie. I don't think that's true, but I, what is yeah, what I do think? I think I think this proves our age when we say things like this. Yeah, for when, sure. When we say right. like, you have to watch Summer Camp. But Jessica Biel is timeless in that swimsuit. Let's call it what that's, it is. That's, that's another. That's a. That's another. Like we're seeing Jessica Biel, and they're going who. Exactly. So well, no, only, you, it's the, Justin Timberlake's wife. Yeah, that or the only Jessica Biel that they might remember is one that isn't that great. I'm just gonna be <laughs> real honest. But I mean, anyhow, moving on. Jim, Randy's not the only one that's got uh, transfer portal issues, but for your guys, it's uh, a benefit. You're picking up an Alabama starter luke holman he's headed to lsu what does that do for your crew so you know obviously a lot of returning pitching but you also had some transfer portal already um but with thatcher heard um already probably going to be the front runner for friday night he would clearly as a alabama's friday guy more than likely be your your Saturday guy, and then you have guys like Gage Jump, Griffin Herring, so many guys competing for a Sunday rule. Obviously, all that stuff could change, but if you were just to look at it from right now, so um, LSU is very, very, very deep in pitching now um, in the starting rotation alone, along with the bullpen, um, leaves, a, leaves a lot of options and a lot of opportunities. So he was a huge pickup, and, um, you know, one that – that I I predicted and, you know, I took a lot of heat because people said I was wrong about Chase Burns, but um, you know, me, me, you and Randy talked about that. I had gotten misinformation. Randy had gotten the good info. And so people took that as, Oh, he doesn't know he's talking about Holman, man. Come on. I ain't going to be wrong twice, Daniel. And so, yeah, we, we got him and, and I feel real good. I actually, if, if you were to ask me how I feel about our, overall top to bottom staff I feel better about it this upcoming year than I do last year you're just missing Paul Skeens basically because you have guys no big deal right yeah no big deal Number well no one. I say that because I mean Randy let's let's no you're, I agree you're, you're missing until, until two first to, round picks but Kyle Floyd did not come on till later in the year it don't matter at, at, at one point but at I agree. one point but at one point Randy knows what I'm talking about it was it was Paul Skeens and then everybody else. And now you're looking at where you're being able to list off a legitimate 10 dudes who can pitch. Jaden even decided to forego his draft pick and come back, and he's another guy that's really in the starting mix. So they're they're loaded. They're not back in Baton Rouge getting the work in, boys, because they was down in Destin, Florida. Ooh. They might be today, I guess. I, I, I looked at the picture. I I did not – be able to get a good enough to look to identify if anybody was there. So I will say that was not them until I hear otherwise. Randy's putting them on blast, saying they're partying it up in Destin. I'm not guessing, boys. Not guessing. I was until I actually got up and walked over there. One, we'll talk about this off the air. Bum, bum, bum. 
saga continues. Oh, well, great, great, great dudes. Great dudes. They, so, You know what? They were all wearing their national championship shirts. Dead giveaway. And then they had the, the flag. What I noticed in the Who LSU flags? They, they, they've clearly been out there for more than a couple of days because them dudes were sporting a tan like they've been there for a week or two. No doubt. They had a great time. And they were all real cool, man. They were all super chill. So I'll ask you this, Jim. Is this pickup, does it make it easier um, to go back-to-back or just because of the difficulty of doing it, you're not going to put a whole lot of stock into being able to do that? No, it gives them a realistic opportunity to go back to back. I think um, they're on the short list of teams that I got as favorites, but I I think still, if you look at the Arkansas pitching staff, um, they have they have the top pitching, and they're the team that I would put as the front runner. Obviously, Randy knows Tennessee, but um, those those three teams, and then you add in Wake's pitching staff, um, and it sounds like we're talking about the same teams, and it's because we are. Obviously, Arkansas didn't make Omaha, but. Um, we know the expectations and and the talent they had. Really, those four teams are right back at the top. Gotcha. But well, here's, here's, the, here's the question. I, I'll say this uh, on the Arkansas note. Somebody said, would you pick Arkansas to win it all today? And I said, well, I don't do the official pick till later, but I have to – I said the sad note with Arkansas is you have to make sure that one of their aces doesn't have TJ for a season because it's happened three years in a row. Like – I'm but just one of our I, boys. I mean, I would still pick them. I mean, the odds, the odds for them, the odds get better the more they lose, <laughs> because eventually, I think it's going to happen, and it might be next year. Who knows? I'm not but, picking them ever. You're picking Tennessee, of course. Yeah. Duh. Um, I think LSU's got a hell of a chance. I, it's gonna, it's gonna be even. And imagine this is our last year. Before Texas, now not saying they're going to come in and like dominate, but it's going to get even deeper next year with Texas. Not so much Oklahoma. I'm not bad mouthing them, but they're just not on that level. You got another. I mean, it, it's cra- the SEC in baseball. It, if you look at all across the sports, football obviously they dominate, but if you look basketball, the kind of the Big Twelve kind of owns that right now a little bit. SEC in baseball, there's not a deeper conference in any sport, in my opinion, than the SEC in baseball. Uh, I'm glad we're not getting Texas this year. They are a team that survived. None of their guys decided to go pro. All decided to come to Texas. Um, They had Witt return um, their ace. So Texas is a team that when I did my way too early preseason uh, Omaha picks, I got them in there because, I mean, when you're able to get – uh, well, they, I'm trying to think of the number, but any, anyway, they had like four dudes that could have gone in the draft. Um, they're all coming to school with it, makes you and they brought Troy Tulowitzki back on their coaching staff, too. He was huge for them. Tulo back in it. Who knows? Be interesting. Uh, shift gears football, guys. Tennessee football recruiting rankings. Randy, what are the expectations? How are they ranked? Where do you think they're, they'll finish? And is it an accurate, I guess, feeling that maybe the media and people have right now of Tennessee football? Yeah, I think it is because you, the one thing, the knock on Josh Heupel when he came in was that, you know, his offense has regressed every year he was there. And then it was that he can't recruit at a high level in the SEC. And now you're looking at year three 
Uh, you had a great recruiting class last year, and now 14 of his last 17 recruits have been four and five stars. So they're recruiting at a level that we we're used to Tennessee recruiting at prior to the you know the past 10 years or so. But I mean, Butch was doing that. Um, but Jim had mentioned it uh, off the air. We just got a, a commitment today from uh, offensive lineman Bennett Warrant out of Texas. He is 6'8", 330 pounds, so that's a pretty sizable fellow. And one of the things that that I really want to hone in on here, I know recruiting, and you've got to have studs, right? But in the 2023, and I had to look this up, in the recruiting cycle, Tennessee had three different players that committed and then jumped 75-plus spots by the end of the recruiting cycle. Now, that was last year. That was Nathan Leacock. He went from number 711 to number 87. Arian Carter went from 259 to 183. Uh, Shamarad Umarov went from 204 to 113. Those are all guys that are going to be on the roster this year. So it's not just about like he's finding the guys that fit his scheme and also getting studs. So I think that when people talk about the hype around Tennessee, it's real. It's not a gimmick offense. Joe Milton today was named to the watch list for you know the quarterback award. A lot of people are talking about him being in the Heisman talk. I'll have to see that to believe it. That's you know, we haven't seen that enough out of Joe Milton. I think injuries have kind of been a part of that. But the the hype is real, DB. And I think if you look at the season, there's no reason outside of Georgia. I mean, I don't think you can say it with a straight face that they should beat them, but it is at home. You should you should be looking at no regression. You should be talking 10, 11 wins and in the hunt for a CFP at some point, just like they were this year before they slipped up against South Carolina. The hype is real, baby. Wow. That's uh, that's big time. Um, it's just a gauntlet of teams. The schedule is tough. I mean, it, it always. It do you think they have to not only play well but get not lucky? I hate using the word lucky because like. But you, you do though. A game plan, but I guess yeah, you gotta you gotta get some luck, and I don't know what that luck means. Is it? Does it mean that they? catch a team on a bad weekend that's just playing really bad, you know, or is it injury that for for SEC championship purposes, uh, they'd rather beat Georgia and lose to Alabama. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think too, if you look back at all the national championships, when LSU's done, Alabama's done, you all have to have something bounce your way at some point. That's just the nature of the beast in the SEC. The, 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 you know, the margin of error is so slim. Um, But, if you're Tennessee, you get to flip some of those home games that you that didn't get to have last year. South Carolina comes to Tennessee. Um, we don't play LSU this year, right? No, but I know you got that South Carolina one circled, boy. Well, for sure. And one of the games that nobody's really given a lot of attention to that I think is going to be a sneaky good game, DB, Jim, is UTSA. That team is legit. And they're coming to Knoxville, and that's not going to be a gimme game. I know Tennessee early line, they were some three-touchdown, four-touchdown favorite. I'm just saying that is, to me, a trap game. It's sandwiched in between South Carolina and Florida, two huge rivalries. They're going to the Swamp. Not only that, they're a really good team. You know that, DB. You see them. That's a good squad. Yeah, that that's a game. You know, it's it's one of those games where you go trap, but you also go – that's a game that we have to win. Like we can't, and it's not even a game that you have to win. It's a game that you should beat them. You should. Really, you, you should. And if you don't, then people, then you start getting that little domino of that, the chirps and the whisperings about how good is this team really? And I think you want to try to avoid that all, all costs. I think 
you saw as well as, as, as we did last year, when the momentum is strong, Tennessee is known as one of the top teams in the country. But when they're not winning or they're playing bad, then that's, that train like steamrolls downhill very quickly. The one last thing I do want to say, Jim just brought it up about LSU baseball. A lot of people are going to say Hendon Hooker's gone, Jalen Hyatt's gone, um, and, and that's true. They lost a lot of weapons. But if you look at this offense top to bottom, they're going to be better. They have more weapons right now on the perimeter than they did last year. You are losing a guy that just set the NFL speed record in Jalen Hyatt. Um, but you're losing Hendon Hooker, the leader. But Joe Milton is like 30 years old. He can throw the ball 90 yards. If they can keep him under control, the running game is obviously strong, the offensive line. And the major thing that you will see massive improvement this year is the secondary. They were basically running scout team dudes midseason because they had so many injuries. The talent level is exponentially better this year. No knock on the dudes that was playing. Appreciate everything you did. Running through the T. We love it. But they're going to be a lot better this year as a team. Now, that doesn't mean the results are going to be as good. It doesn't. And you you guys know that. We follow football. But I think the team will be better. So, Jim, LSU, same question. Um, based on media hype and what media is saying, what is their ranking look like? Is it an accurate representation of what they are? Um, and what are your expectations for them? Um, well, first, just to talk about recruiting rankings, because it's the big deal going on for the for the next season. They're not doing as well as Tennessee. Um, like Randy said, you know, he mentioned five and four stars. LSU currently does not have any five stars. They're ranked 11th overall. They got 14 four stars, seven three stars. Um, but they are one of the three finalists for Colin Simmons, who's the five-star edge rusher, the best edge rusher in the country. Um, so he's making his announcement tomorrow. So really hoping that that one pans out. We'll get our first five-star, and it will be – y'all know how big an edge rusher is. So uh, come on. He's with a lot. It. Yeah. He's LSU. He's a lot. And then, I, I, yeah, that picture he did made me feel like it was a lock. He didn't do one like that for the other two teams. Uh, and I love the LSU bat being in there, by the way. But uh, um, Caden Durham, the four-star, uh, you know, and then running back Blake Ivey – or, excuse me, run, uh, Durham's the running back, and then Blake Ivey, the offensive tackle. So, um, some dudes who could bolster that up. Like I said, we're not going to match what Tennessee's done. So, that's, a you know, another shout-out to Heupel. But – um, LSU hopefully cracked that top 10 and um, obviously with what they got returning. As far as this year, um, there are uh, mixed emotions. You see 50-50 one way. Um, a lot of a lot of them have us naturally losing to Alabama. Um, and then there's a lot that have us going uh, undefeated and uh, winning the SEC. Um, I think the undefeated is a real possibility obviously we were talking off air about playing at Alabama we we know how hard that is to win in Tuscaloosa especially um just for LSU in general right uh, it's just not something they do but when you look at what they got returning they have a whole stable of running wide receiver Malik Neighbors I think he has a real chance of you know being in the running for the Blitnikoff you got Mason Taylor at tight end tight end then you got Jaden Daniels um, you know, or Nussmeyer, you know, if anything kind of gets dicey and then, but defense is where it's at, man. Whether you're looking at Wingo, Mason Smith, Perkins Jr., the best defensive player in football, in my opinion, uh, Major Burns, and then upcoming IOTV guest, Greg Brooks Jr., your, your safeties are, are legit. Um, so, I mean, I really feel good about this team. I would be saying I'm one of those guys being biased, Daniel, but, uh, you know, you see even Randy Nine said there's a lot of people hiring them. I mean, they're bringing a lot back. Where do you think they finish? I know it's early, really early, but where do you think they finish? 
like recruiting rankings? No, just like oh, based on okay. what they have and and coming back. And now that we're getting some some talk about just this season in general. I, I think it's I think it's gonna be LSU and Tennessee in the SEC championship. Let's go. We'll we'll see a lot right off the top with that Florida State game because that I know Florida State yeah can be full school sometimes. Florida State's actually going to be pretty legit this year, and so um, being a neutral site game in Orlando, which will probably uh, more like home field, but LSU does travel well. We know um, trying to get get back for last year where we we really blew it out the gate, but that game will obviously give us a great pulse uh, going forward. So, but I I feel really good preseason. Um, but you know how it is. You try not to get overly hyped till you see it all come together. Yeah. So just a little bit on the Memphis front. I mean, obviously Memphis, they they've got three, four stars, you know, committed. They got just a plethora of three stars, which is where, you know, they they make make their money. Um they fall in that eighty to seventy to sixty range as far as you know their recruiting class and ranking compared to others. But this is a this is a big year, um, in my opinion, for Memphis football. Um, you know, as far as expanding and getting out of the conference, I like my stock on that was higher, probably last week than it is currently. I just think there's been some things that have happened that have really thrown a wrench into that. Um, but with that being said, looking at this season, um, looking at this season, you got probably one of the easiest conference schedules that you've ever had. Um, you're playing two of the top six teams um, in the league and you don't play the rest and you're playing one two three four five six of the bottom you know eight teams so you got to take advantage of a schedule like this um so randy i know you're texting you don't see any four-star recruits on the the tigers not for 2024 man it's so, it's, it's tough look here yeah. well, what's funny is he said that and we just came off talking about lsu and i was like Hold on, man. I just said I saw 14 of them. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I, yeah, meant, I, I meant Memphis. That's that's my bad. I guess 2023 commits. So that's that's what I'm looking at. But anyhow, um the 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 thing is, is whether you get a four star or you don't, you're not getting many of them. You're gonna your dividing line is that that three range or a borderline four or maybe a questionable four star but either way uh when it comes down to the production on the field is it's got to be this year and it's got to be a big year and there's no reason in my opinion that it can't be a big year and if it's not um the seat that ryan silverfield sits on is going to be extremely hot um i think he's got to go man if he doesn't well, to be clear, before we get on Silverfield, you actually, if you want to go theoretically, you have a five star on your team, Maurice Hampton Jr. Wow. Yeah, he is. That's he was part of that that the transfer portal recruiting class. That's the guy's a stud. Yeah. I, I this is what I'm gonna say about Ryan Silverfield, and I, obviously, I'll be at every game. If that dude doesn't win minimum 
nine games, I think you got to be talking about making a move, DB. I mean, I'm just looking at the teams that we play. I mean, and, and this is in no, no particular order, but you play Tulane, which is – That's tough. Tough game. Probably a loss, just being honest. You should play. be. Well, but here's the thing. It should be a win. Should it? USC thought that too. That didn't turn out very well. No, but what I'm saying is, is in, in the conference that you're playing in, if you're trying to win it, you oh, I, feel, I see. You got to win that. I'm not saying that they do, but it's it's Tulane. They don't play the second best team in the league, uh, UTSA. They play SMU, which fared pretty well against them as of late. Um, you're the fourth best team in the league. You got. FAU behind you, ECU behind them. You don't play either of those teams. And then you play North Texas, Temple, Navy. You don't play Tulsa. You play UAB. You don't play Rice. You play USF and you play Charlotte. That is a terrible – that's a we- the weakest schedule for conference. It is, but some reason. Y'all can't play Navy, man. It's not ever good. I just – We've been it's ne- it's not good, but we've been well. You, we've played well yeah. again. Like we've won the game. You you I, should I, win the game. You should blow that team out. And you, I, yeah. I think you will. But but I think so too. But if anybody plays Navy, that's everyone's going to say it's going to be a tough game. Just oh, 100%. because they they well, always have a wrinkle and they're a service academy. They're not. Discipline. They usually are not going to beat themselves. Well, Daniel, I, I've, I've been waiting for this segment because I didn't even want to expose it beforehand. Um, I didn't agree at all with what Jeff Calkins uh, and Jeffrey Wright were saying on local radio, saying that the Tiger team of that five-year span is never going to be again. We won't see a team that will uh, win the AAC and be a possible you know team to get a big bowl. And – you know, especially with the departure of, of UCF and Cincinnati, I don't see how they could actually, you know, say that with a straight face. Memphis does have the ability to recruit, and now they are in a conference that is winnable now more than ever. I mean, obviously you're talking about how good Tulane is, but are they as good as the, the UCF team you had to face like three years in a row when they were at the top? Like, no, they're not. And then you just mentioned the, the schedule. So, I don't agree with that. And then when you look at, uh, you know, the the veteran, you know, type leadership and play that you have at the quarterback position, we know everything goes around the quarterback. And and as much as Seth Hennigan has had his ups and downs, um, we know how good he can be, not just because he came on the show. And so give me a guy like that. I'm a believer that they're wrong on this. And I think this team will be competing to win this conference and be in a big bowl game. Let me touch on that for a second. Everything rides on this. And, and I and I saw um, our boy Wes put this on his, and I commented on it. You know, would you rather Memphis stay in the AAC because it's winnable, gives you a chance to get in the CFP, or go to the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve? Um, I think Jeff Calkins and Jeffrey Ryder both wrong. I, much respect to both of those guys, and here's why. Let's just say that Memphis has a really great year. They get eleven wins this year. They're in that hunt. Remember that next year, not this year, but the year after that, you get eleven, twelve wins, and you're in the the G5 or whatever, you're getting into the CFP, right? But if they find a way to get into the Big 12 or the Pac-12 and get $30 million more per year, what does that do for your program? It changes it completely. You, I mean, it, money 
doesn't solve all issues, but damn, it makes it a lot easier, boys. If you can get out there and recruit with the Tennessees and the Ole Misses and the Mississippi States, the resources can be allocated to the Tigers and they would be a force. Where are all those schools coming to recruit? Memphis. Build a wall around the city and you could compete. What did Baton Rouge do forever? They, Les Miles and Ed Orgeron put a fence up around that state and got all that talent. And even if it wasn't four and five stars, those guys were studs. And, you know, that was because, remember, that was my biggest problem with Brian Kelly last year. Why we started off on a bad foot, because I told you, he let people walk right into Louisiana and take the kids that they always had on lock. He did. And you got it. That this this means more. we're a regional. I say we're this is a regional city, man. It's us against the world. If you can lock down the studs that come out of this city. We just had a kid out of Lausanne last year committed to Ohio State. Come on, man. Why? Why not? Why can't we get that kid to stay home? And we could, if we had another thirty million a year, get some NIL with Fred Smith, Penny, all the guys that are here. Justin Timberlake, throw some NIL money in here, boys. Let's get this program right. They're putting a bunch of money in the Liberty Bowl. You got the FedEx Forum. There's no reason in the world why Memphis, the University of Memphis, can't be up there with everybody that we talk about on a regular basis. Here's what I'll say though. And, and we'll move on is that that's why this year with Ryan Silverfield matters because in the event that they can get out and they do, and they start getting this money, he's got to prove that he's the guy that can still do the job when they have all those resources. Cause what you can't have happen is you go in there and you waste, waste the opportunity right out the gate. Randy, would this decision be something that's done after basketball or before basketball? Uh, it'd be, I mean, they might announce it before, but it won't happen until 2024. I was just wondering if it was one of those things where if Memphis is successful in football and then they're successful in basketball, obviously helps their situation. Oh, for sure. And then you got a brand name. To be honest, DB, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. I'm look I'm looking right at you, man. I I don't I don't know that Ryan Silverfield's the guy. I, I don't know. I, the jury's out. And I think that's where it comes from. The pessimism is you went from Justin Fuente and then Mike Norvell, and then you kind of went to a guy. And if Ryan Silverfield, he's got to stop being so conservative. He's got to air this thing out. That's how you do in the G5. Let, let's score some points. Let my boy Henny loose. Yeah, I mean, but I think the reality is, is we may not even see – if Memphis goes into a new conference, we may not even see him. If he wins – we know how the recycle rate is when you win a few years at Memphis. However, moving into a Power Five conference might change it a little bit. It changes it. Be around. But look, I, there, I just mentioned about NIL. I mean, am I am I off kilter? If you have all this money in Memphis and you can pay these players to come here, guess what wins over? Oh, I can play in front of a hundred thousand. Okay, but we'll give you nine hundred thousand to come play here. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. I'll go and play in front of forty. Let's let's do that. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to have anybody there. I'll just, I'll just and, and, let, and let's be honest. If you look around the NFL, you say, "Hey, if I play at Memphis, I can I can go to the NFL and thrive because there's dudes doing it." Exactly. That's that's what I'm saying. There's no reason why they can't, and it it's counterproductive to my team because if Memphis is is doing well, it, it doesn't help Tennessee at all. But I love the city. I want. Yeah, to let's do, well. do that then. Let's do that. Patrick <laughs> Barnes. Yeah. We got Major League Baseball to talk. This is the first time we've talked Major League Baseball, all three of us, I think. We haven't had a lot to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been been tough going. I mean, 
Looking at the standings, you got Baltimore, Minnesota, and this is what I just looked up. Baltimore, Minnesota, Texas, Atlanta, Cincinnati, the Dodgers. Uh, wild cards, you got the Rays, you got the Astros, you got the Blue Jays, you've got the Giants, you got the Phillies, and you got Milwaukee, Miami tied. Um, Jim, I'll start with you. Um, what do we talk about if we can't talk about our team? Um, obviously it's the first one right out the gate, right? We got to talk Baltimore because last time we spoke, you know, Tampa was alongside of, you know, Atlanta, the hottest team in baseball. When you look at the run differential, it's still glaring, um, how good Tampa is with 139 to 50 by Baltimore, but nonetheless, Baltimore is taking the league. Uh, I've actually said that it's the Ben McDonald effect because, you know, he is the uh, he's the voice for them. He was doing all the LSU postseason games and then he left and went back to Baltimore and they went on a winning streak. So I think Ben took the mojo with him. But um, I mean, for Baltimore, you know, it's all we always talk about Tampa, Boston, New York. Last year, you talked about how Toronto was making their move. And, you know, here we are with Baltimore. And I feel like Randy even brought it up with um one of our guests, somebody, because we, we were talking something Baltimore, but, you know, the the program, or not the program, but the organization was, you know, building. And so here we are, maybe they're achieving a little bit faster. The other note I wanted to talk about, just American League-wise, because we said it was going to happen, Daniel. Last time we spoke, Randy wasn't with us, but Houston was five games back, and we said they'll inevitably do what they do. Well, here they are. They're half game back. They're right there. But Texas oh. is making the push. They made a lot of they made a few trades, got some arms. Yep. I went to the Rays game last, last weekend, uh two weeks two weekends ago, and they were playing the Orioles. Had a chance to see two of the best teams in baseball and didn't disappoint. I mean, the Orioles came out, put five on, on in, in the first six, and then the Rays decided they wanted to score five uh unanswered in the seventh and the eighth. The Rays gave up one in the top of the ninth, and Batista came in and cl just closed the door, throwing 102 miles an hour, just like it ain't nothing. Um, but it was a good game. Um, obviously, the young talent that the Orioles ha have been able to develop is showing, and it's kind of along the lines of what the Rays have been able to do. They, you know, cultivate young talent. They get them good. They maximize them for what you know what they're paying them, and then they'll move on. And I think that's kind of where Baltimore is at. They're in this spot now where they're starting to hit a stride of, of being able to maximize what they've developed, but also at the point where they know they're going to lose some stuff. So they got to take advantage of this year and, and they're doing that. Um, well, if you look at their records too, I mean, both of them, whoever, whoever loses the race to win the division, obviously is in the, is in the postseason. So. Yeah. And you, either way, like it's, it's one of those things. It's like if you're a wild card out of that that division, it's like well, shit. I got to play that team, the second best team. In, damn, that's that kind of stings. But you know, looking at the National League, you got Atlanta, Cincinnati, the Dodgers, just right there. Atlanta playing good baseball, guys. Um, don't know what um, what. The outcome will be, but I mean, there for a while, Austin Riley was absolutely just punishing baseballs. In Fuego. 
Yeah, he was just on fire. Couldn't he couldn't um, stop the guy. I'm trying to think when he got player of the week, he had that week, he literally had six home runs, 15 like RBI. Yeah. yeah, 15 yeah. maybe. It was a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, he did something, uh, the the five home runs in four games or whatever, um, was the first time for an Atlanta Braves since 1959. Like, so I mean. He, he's he's doing big things, but then now, you know, with them, it's it's all these uh, all these different guys that could be whoever. Right now, Acuna's on a freaking red hot streak, and dude, uh, what is what is it that he's in? He's got the possibility of doing Randy. Um, it has to do with stolen bases and something combined that's never been done. I, I just heard it on ESPN the other day. I didn't see it. I'm gonna be honest. I'm I... I'm a little checked out of the MLB right now. It's really depressing. But, well, I, I told Daniel when we were talking MLB last time without you, I've never gone this far into the season and just started watching because college baseball has taken so much of our attention. And then even when it was over, so much stuff was going to – like for you as a Tennessee fan, the transfer portal was huge. I mean, Tony Vitale oh, yeah. gets left and right. And so it's still kind of taking your attention. And then now all this football stuff kind of crops up, and it's like – and you only got so much time in the day. You got work, you got kids, and it's like, you know, and we know football's king. And so when you talk about the difference between getting getting ready for football and MLB, it's, it is what it is. Well, it's also a welcome distraction because our baseball team is awful. I mean, they're just terrible. They're, they're, they're terrible. Are you surprised that – and I guess I'll, I'll ask you, DB, first. Are you surprised that they didn't try to offload more? you gonna do you can't the more you offload then you're telling everybody that you're conceding not only the rest of this season but future seasons as well like, what you, i mean you just got a lot of i'm saying that because you got a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys and i don't know if you don't want to just go ahead and get get rid of a couple of them now i think that's what almost bothers me a little bit because that is you're right that is the cardinals way they feel like they're two or three pieces away from being back in the playoffs because they're they got their two cornerstones, you know, obviously an Arenado and Goldsmith on the hot corners. But then they think they went and traded for some arms, nice prospects, did a little something there. But I don't know that that's enough. I don't yeah. even think that's enough. Their farm system isn't that good. They're not in the top fifteen. Other in, than in Walker, systems. other than Walker, I haven't heard about yeah. any any guys. And then um, I know he struggled bad this year. Let me ask you, how do you feel about Hicks leaving, man? I. I when he's on, he's been great. Uh, obviously, this year he hasn't been on. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not really messed up about it. They got a guy back that's now already their number four prospect in their farm system. I'm not really messed up about it because you're right. When he's on, he's on. But that hasn't been consistent enough. He can throw at 105 miles an hour, but he also walks a little bit – way too much. You know what you boys could have never told me like three years ago? When they started talking about all these initial trade talks and they start talking about trading Captain Jack – Oh, if you'd have told me three years ago, man, like, I mean, he was our dude. He was that dude, and he's just never been that since. No, I, I would miss his mom, though. I, would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, we are in dire need of, like, a cardinal, a good cardinal season with a good cardinal run. doesn't necessarily have to end in a championship, but a nice uh, couple-round playoff run would, would – would be nice, but it ain't gonna be this year, gentlemen. Just, just temper expectations. <laughs> just a tad. 
I'll tell you that I'll tell you this, speaking of temper expectations, and the last time we talked, Daniel, me and you went through the Arizona roster and we did not know more than two players. Yeah, they're starting and, to take a slide. Yeah, two two and eight in their last ten. Randy, we literally read this roster and we didn't know anybody. And I know we haven't Evan been Gloria. <laughs> but but we usually know a, a solid amount of dudes, and it was like, how is this team in first in the West? And here they are if they lost two uh or uh, lost eight of their last ten and it's came back to reality. Sliding quick. All right, guys. Round the horn. Last call. Randy, start with you. What you got? I'm going to keep it on Tennessee football, and I'm going to keep it on Joe Milton. There's a lot of, you know, Jim kind of talked about it being a 50-50 shot. You know, some fans and and some haters are all saying, you know, we've never seen Joe Milton do this, and Joe Milton's not that. But one of the things that I really want to point out about Joe Milton, obviously came in as a transfer from Michigan, was named the starter, got hurt. Hendon Hooker comes in, does his thing. In the world we live in today, in the in the NIL transfer portal world, Joe Milton could have easily transferred out and said, I'm out of here, I'm going to find another team. But he didn't do that. He became one of the most important leaders on the team last year as a backup. He said Hendon Hooker was his brother, I'm his biggest fan, all this other stuff. So I honestly think, and I'm saying this on air, we're going to, it's going to be recorded and all that, I think Joe Milton is going to have a Heisman-worthy season this year. We've seen the talent. We saw all the clips from the Manning Academy of him throwing it, flick of the wrist, you know, 70, 80 yards, whatever it is. He's got more weapons around him with Brew and Thornton and the running game. I mentioned it earlier, but, again, Joe Milton has shown nothing but loyalty and class to Tennessee, and I think it all gets paid back to him in the karma when he's holding that Heisman Trophy, baby. Nice. Jim, what you got? Yeah, I got two of them. Uh, first, man, Saturday night, uh, you know, I'm more of the UFC type than boxing. I watched both, though. We had both on two TV. Shout out to Tyler for having me over. Uh, renting both them bad boys. But, man, uh, Terrence Crawford against Spence. Um, dude, that dude, I want to watch more of him. Put on a, a clinic. He literally – He's everything that I wouldn't be if I was a fighter, Daniel. Like, right? He was patient and let everything just come to him. Spence was, was continuing to try to, to move and attack, and he just he picked his spots. And every every jab, straight to the nose, straight to the nose. Never, never a wasted punch. And it was just – it went nine rounds, but it was domination. Like, you knew, you knew from probably midway through the second round where this thing was going. You know who else was a fighter like that? Floyd Mayweather. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, who were? Yeah, well, which, by the way, also defensive, defensive fighter that would just stay there and can move and would. But Spencer ain't quite as he's not quite as boring as well, May- I, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, no, yeah, he he was he was landing a lot more punches, uh, you know. But I will say, when you have Floyd Mayweather over in your corner and you walked out with Eminem, you want to talk about a, a women. A winning formula, but that was actually partially an L. The Eminem thing, the fact that he didn't rap on the way to the ring really bothered me. Um, he just announced him. Um, it would have been a lot cooler if Eminem rap, but you know, whatever. Why did he walk out with just where was his team at? <laughs> I was so confused by that. Like, I was watching the walkout, and I'm like, okay, normally they walk out with somebody and the whole team's behind them, you know? Yeah, like I want my boys with me too. Yeah, I don't know. Eminem, he was like this, he was like, and now coming to the ring. <laughs> with his who? who oh that's Eminem oh okay Eminem take it away 
And then the other around the horn note would be a sad note, but it's not, man. Um, he has managed to make it not. Uh, guess Kadarian Hill, known as KD Hill, Ole Miss. Um, obviously, uh, you know, a Danny Warfel uh, Trophy Award finalist. Um, you know, he wore the 38, the Chucky Bowens Award winner for Ole Miss. Um, just seen for leadership. He came on here um showed that but dude was pinned down for five hours in his truck after an accident said the whole time he never he never cried was never scared he knew he knew he was gonna make it he was built for it has five surgeries his leg amputated and four days after he is seen already putting in the work walking boys walking and said i got this nothing's gonna stop me I don't know what his future holds, guys, but what an inspiration. Because I'm going to tell you right now, four days after I lost my leg, I'm acting like a little bee crying in my room talking about how my life sucks. Not this guy. He says, this ain't going to stop me. Better man than me, for sure. It'd be tough, but, you know, tease and peace. KD, get it back, grind it out. I'll be doing some for sure. Big for me, guys, I got, um, it's that time of the year, uh, CrossFit games. We're going to crown the fittest on earth. I know you guys are excited. You know, don't, don't get too emotional. Is, is the girl that I was watching kill it going to be in this competition? One of them is one of them is not. So. No, the one who won the one who like when it came down to it, she dusted her off when it was all said and done. Yes. Yes, she is in it. Ray, Randy, I, I watched this with Daniel, and I actually was into it. I was legitimately into Randy, and the one girl had the lead, and then when it came down to, like, the hardest part, um, Daniel have to explain what the thing was, but they were jumping over um, the box and having to do something. And then, a burpee box jump over with a weight vest. and Yeah, about halfway through this, the girl started tiring out, and the other girl cranked it up a notch, and it was curtains, bro. Yeah, she's uh I want her drug tested immediately. <laughs> They've all been drug tested at nah, this nah. Just they, joking. Uh, but the Don't beat that me girl, up. That girl, Danielle Brandon, is uh she's one of the favorites to win. She would definitely beat our ass, Randy. Are there Vegas odds on this? Can we like put some coin down on it? I don't know. Let's just start a little back all room right. thing, Jim. I all gotta right. have something to root for here. R- Randy, I gotta ask you since you brought up since you brought that up, the money up, and you were the one that brought up this very subject, shouting out um, Indiana State. Um, John Martin and Jason had an argument on Memphis Radio. Uh, John Martin was upset that he wasn't able to bet on the Special Olympics, and Jason told him he was at a new level of wrong. Is it wrong (laughs) to bet on the Special Olympics? Yeah, Yeah, it is. I can't go with that one. (laughs) Oh, John Martin's a fool boy. Yeah. That's... I feel like there's a that's that's, where, that's, that's crossing, the line. crossing the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the line, and you look at it and you go, "Man, I can't go there." All I right, mean, I damn, John. There's degenerate, and then there's you. I mean, there, but you know, he's not the only one like that. There are degenerates who will bet on anything if you give it to them. Especially during COVID, dude, we were betting on Korean baseball. I don't even know who the guys were. I saw I saw this this uh, picture, or it, it might have been something on Instagram. But um, it was a guy at a sports book at like eight thirty with a coffee and a beer, and he was watching like 
it's like some soccer like league Tricky. and then like a tennis game a tennis match it was unbelievable daniel since you like pickleball would you if they had they had odds and you were going to get to watch it on tv would you bet it yeah i know quick game i would do it after watching it with you i'd get into it oh all right let's get out of here man let's let's wrap this thing up i want to thank our guest tonight charlie condon what a great episode great story if you like hearing Charlie's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Do I say Twitter? What do I say? X? Twitter? <laughs> Twitter X. Twitter X. Oh, thanks, Elon. Whatever you want to call, call it, well, that's what I'll call it. But anyhow, listen, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, loves. We'll take it all, and we'll see everybody in a couple of days. we got episode eight coming at you. We're going to switch gears. We're going to talk Mississippi State football with Jet Johnson. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.